Good morning, good morning. How are we doing? Beautiful morning here. Hope you had a great weekend, a great Shabbos. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in the Holy Land. I am your host, Ali Shapiro. This is the morning mix. And like always, just so much to talk about. <clears throat> so much to talk about. This morning, we are going to address a claim someone said to me recently in a conversation. The claim was, the claim was that it can't be possible. It can't be possible that everybody is in on one lie. Can't, it's not possible. It's not possible. How can it be that the entire world, how can it be that the entire world agrees with something, does something? And yet, and yet, you are, you believe contrary. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. So, this, this thought to me is ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Because, you know, what's, what's the main, what's the main problem with getting everybody to agree? Well, the main problem, really, is information, in feeding them information. I mean, ultimately, if you could control the method of the way people are fed information, so then really everybody would, you know, for the most part, agree with one thing. Obviously, you have some people who will always be contrary, but for the most part, why why is that? Why is this a challenge? And today's show, I think what we're what, I don't think what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to build a an idea of, of, of really create a, a a proof that you can see with your own very eyes with your very own eyes how the information that we have today is compromised the method of 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 informa- of, of 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 transmitting information is compromised and and how the different what the different implications of that are you know, we as believing Jews, we recognize that God exists. He has complete domination over his world from the smallest blade of grass. And there are many people who would tell you that's a conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy theory. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to think that there is a God who controls the world. It's a very dangerous thing to think that. Now, you know, we want to try to present this properly. At one point, at one, at one point in, in, in history, it was inconceivable to deny the giving of the Torah. I'm going to be very frank. It was inconceivable to deny that God gave the Jews a, a the, the Old Testament, the Torah at Har Sinai, at, at Sinai. It was inconceivable. How do we know this? Well, one of one of the ways we know this is because the different nations that spawned from Jews all started with the premise that God gave the Jews the Torah. So if it was so easy to deny it, why didn't they? I don't want to get into obviously this sort of 
topic of, of proving God's existence. But just understand, just understand that, that, I, that people today will challenge that. It's so easy to just deny it. You understand? It's just so easy to deny it. Why? Why is it easy to deny it? Because you have so many millions of people today who are denying it. So it's so easy to deny it. Today, it is a very difficult thing for a person who's in an echo chamber where he only hears one side to be able to believe something contrary. It's a very difficult thing. I am going to illustrate for you certain, certain, um, certain, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to challenge certain, uh, notions that we have taken for granted over the last year. One of them, one of them is that vaccines will solve everything. I have been making a, 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 a very uh, public claim that until Pesach, uh, until, you know, come uh, two months from now, I made this claim last year, March, early March, you know, with the you know, middle of, or middle of March, so we to, even to, even, even around the, the, the 15, original 15 days, that we were going to be in the current state that we are in now until Pesach. What was going to change at Pesach? A number of things were going to change at Pesach, as far as I was concerned. A number of things were going to change, whether it be at the weather, be it people's tolerance, all sorts of things I believe were going to change. Now, I'm not necessarily changing that prediction, but I'm not as confident as I was. There is a, there is a, there are a number of different um, articles that we're going to be citing. We're going to try to trim them down as much as possible. Try to trim them down as much as possible. But we have to understand that there are there are different factors here. One factor is, as we've talked many times about, is the aligned interests of people. The aligned interests. Not every in order to believe in a conspiracy, you don't have to believe that there's one that there's one interest that everybody unites under. Each person could be acting for their own self-interest and ultimately, ultimately, they're willing to take part in a big charade. You know, there is an individual. His name is Dr. J. Bhattacharya. Could you imagine? Imagine there was somebody out there who was also a medical doctor and also an economist. Could you imagine, imagine we had somebody out there who was also a doctor and also a, 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 an economist. Well, Dr. J. Bhattacharya is a professor of medicine at Stanford University and a research associate, is coming from the Wikipedia page, and a research associate of the National Bureau of Economic Research. He directs Stanford's Center of, Dem- of Demography and, Ec- and Economics of Health and Aging. But Acharya's research focuses on the health and well-being of populations with a particular emphasis on the role of government's programs, biomedical innovation, and economics. Recently, Acharya has focused his research on the epidemiology of COVID-19 and evaluation of the various policy responses to the epidemic. He is a co-author of the Great Barrington Declaration, a controversial document proposing a relaxation of social controls that delay the spread of COVID-19. Now, what is his background? Bhattacharya has four degrees from Stanford, including an MD from Stanford Medical School and a PhD in economics. If there was somebody that was qualified to discuss both the medical response 
and the economic response or result or catastrophe, however you want to put it, surely it should be Dr. J. Let me read to you, it's from the Federalist, a conversation that occurred between Dr. J. Bhattacharya and Megyn Kelly on her podcast. I've come to think of it as trickle-down epidemiology. We've used the lockdowns to protect the rich, whereas we essentially expose the, like in California, for instance, it's the poor areas that have had the high death rates from COVID. The lockdowns haven't protected people living in places where there's high poverty. But Acharya said on the Megyn Kelly show, minority populations, especially Hispanics, have been hit hard. 50% of people who have had COVID deaths are Hispanic in California. According to Bhattacharya, lockdowns are an unfocused overreaction that served as a distraction from addressing the people who are the most vulnerable to the virus. The lockdowns have been an enormous and ineffective overreaction, not actually protecting the population from COVID. While at the same time, the collateral damage is absolutely devastating. He continued, it is an unfocused overreaction. We should just have focused on the population we knew to be at risk, protected them, thought of creative ways to protect them from the beginning of the pandemic. And the rest of the population, the lockdown, we should have been thinking about the collateral damage from the very beginning. Okay, so the, so Dr. J has said from the very beginning, basically, that this was an overreaction. Now he's coming out and he's saying, well, it's not just that it was an overreaction. It may have been a deliberate overreaction. You know, I, 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 I'm fond of saying that the people, the, 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 who talks about the idea of chazrim la of returning to normal? Who talks about this idea of going back to normal? I don't use the N-word, remember. Who talks about this? People who are living a life of normal. You want to know what normal means? What does normal mean? How about this? How about an article that came out of, an article that came out of, uh, where is this one from? This is a, Israel Ynet. Israel cannot rely on coronavirus vaccines alone. This is an opinion coming from Sarit Rosenblum. Israel is facing a period of uncertainty as it goes into the final week of its third lockdown. This is last, uh, two weeks ago. Preparing to lift some some restrictions from Thursday. Morbidity is decreasing at a lower pace than expected. And the government should consider extending the lockdown. Don't worry, they listen to you. We knew that they would. By at least one more week in order to ease some of the strain on hospitals already overburdened by several Ill, severely ill patients. If no responsibility, if no responsible steps are taken to lower morbidity further and Israel lifts its restrictions as quickly as the previous two lockdowns, the country will swiftly find itself heading into a fourth closure. Okay, so what does she propose? Vaccines? Obviously, that's, you know, that's number one. But no, her proposition is we have to very slowly ease the lockdown. The first move must be we have to be ready to close the Ben-Gurion airport to commercial flights as soon as things start to go haywire. Putting an end to Israelis, I'm, I'm inserting certain words here, it's not direct, putting an end to Israelis traveling abroad and returning with coronavirus. For the last few weeks have shown that a rush of Israelis to Dubai and elsewhere is costing the country dearly. I'm not going to I have that article somewhere else here, but there's there's an article that said that one person came back with 180 different, 100, he infected 180 different people. Could you imagine one person infecting 180 different people? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So 
her solution is, and this is what the left is, you know, and I love that people say the left and the right have disagreed. It's not a left and right issue. It's a, you're right. They're all on the left. I agree. They're all on the left. The only question is, is how slow or fast we're supposed to get out of these restrictions. How supposed to ease these restrictions. The left said that BB did it too fast. That's what the problem was. He didn't do, he didn't go slow enough. The failure of the government and law enforcement agencies to police the coronavirus lockdown machines is another matter that warrants consideration. Israel cannot win the war against coronavirus if such flouting of health measure, measures continue. Politicians who are more concerned with their re-election chances and therefore give these Haredi mobs a free pass should consider whether elections should be even possible with so many of their voters falling sick. Recently, it was this, just, just this afternoon, I saw a study came out that uh, Haredim have a 0.9% infection rate. Israelis as, as, a, as a general population have a 1.0% infection rate and the Arabs have a 1.1% infection rate. So whatever those numbers mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Haredim have even suffered greater. But it's not even the point. It's not even the point. The point is that this person is suggesting that we have to very slowly... And if you think very slowly ease the restrictions, and if you think that this is that this is just her saying that, I'm going to play you a clip that's gotten getting some controversy because it's the current White House spokesperson Jen Psaki, and she was quoted as saying, "Oh yes, oh yes, don't worry, these restrictions are here to stay." Let's listen to this. But part of uh, what we're also trying to do is make our health and medical experts available to ensure people understand, and I'll reiterate it here today, it's not just a vaccine, it's obviously a, an incredible medical breakthrough, um, and we want every American to have one. But even after you're va- vaccinated, uh, social distancing, wearing masks are going to be essential, and we'll, we'll, we'll need to continue communicating about that through health and medical experts. Say what? What was that? What did you hear there? You heard exactly what you heard. That just because the vaccine has come out, just because people are going to be vaccinated, doesn't mean life is going to go back to normal. Remember, the people who use this term normal are living a life of normal. They don't have the restrictions that the common folk have. They're allowed to do whatever they want to do. Politicians don't hesitate about traveling somewhere, going to out to eat, they do whatever they want. The people in the media have had, have had, have been living a life of whatever normal means from the beginning. It's only the common folk. And if you think that you're going to go back to normal, if you think you're going to go back to normal, you're right. You will go back to normal, I believe. You'll go back to a new normal. What's new normal? New normal is going to be this in some degree or another. That is definitely how it's looking. It's not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. They're actually just saying things openly. Mayan Jaffe Hoffman, she's a writer for the for the Jerusalem Post. This is a an article she wrote entitled, Here's Why Global Travel is Unlikely to Resume Until 2024. Quote, vaccination doesn't equal liberation. Doesn't equal liberation. No, 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 no. They're not going to give you back your freedoms. No siree. No siree. Why is that, you might ask? Well, she outlines in her article that in order, in order to have proper, uh, the, the, in order to resume, you know, a normal living, especially of global travel, you really need for everybody to be, to be, uh, to be vaccinated. 
You know, as I remember many years ago, I was thank God privileged to be able to 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 marry the 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 first girl that I went out with, and my wife as well. Yellow, she was able to to marry to marry you know to, as well was spared from that uh from that uh pain of having to date many people she also i was also her first and i remember people asking me how how could you make such a rash decision how could you decide that you were gonna you were gonna marry the first girl and i was very disturbed by this attitude amongst peers people in my circles you know you god gives you a gift like that you know you don't just turn it away but regardless, I said to them, in order to, for me to know for a fact that this person is the right person, you have to date every single person in the world. And that's impossible. That's impossible. So you have to have some sort of criteria. What they're suggesting really is, and you'll see from this article, I'm going to read different parts of it, but what they're suggesting is, is no, we have to do, in order to be able to really, 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 really save everybody, which is the goal. Remember, that is where they've pushed this. They've kept, they kept on pushing the boundaries. And if we think that we're, we're, we're cons- you know, this is, these are conspiracy theories, just remember back. Just remember back a year ago. What did they ask us of? What did they ask of us? They asked us for 15 days to flatten the curve. Let us give our hospitals an opportunity to build different wards to get respirators, to acquire all sorts of machinery, to be able to handle the inevitable the inevitable, um, um, you know, a plague that was upon us. And then they want to eradicate the virus. And then, and then, and then. So, you know, we don't have to be conspiracy theorists. We've seen these, the way that this pro- pro- progressed in front of us. So now let's hear what she has to say. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has repeatedly referred to Israel's national vaccination campaign as the light at the end of the tunnel. If the majority of Israelis get inoculated, he instructed, then the economy will open and life will soon to return to the way it was. But as millions of Israelis have, give, give a, have given a, a shoulder to make the country safer, it is becoming more apparent that even if the entire Israeli population is immunized, this will not re- mean life will return to its norm, its 2019 reality. This will not mean that life will return to its 2019 reality. This is especially true when it comes to opening the skies and resuming international travel in any significant quantity or of any quality. To do that, we need to immunize all countries of the world. Wow. Surely that's not so hard to do, right? Why not? To reach herd immunity, about two-thirds of the world population, four billion to five billion people need to be vaccinated. Each person has to have at least two doses which is 10 billion doses of the vaccine. And of course, it goes on to explain how even on a sheer numbers, it's not possible. They don't even have enough vaccine for that kind of, to have that kind of vaccination rollout. The impact on people's lives will likely not be whether they can visit the Eiffel Tower or Great Wall of China. While the world recovers from COVID-19, it will be plagued by economic and health challenges that impact everyone. We live in a global world with or without realizing it says Michael Edelstein, a professor of population health at Bar-Ilan University and uh, Faculty of Medicine. A lot of our lives rely on interconnectivity. This is true. It is true. A lot of our lives rely on interconnectivity. And this is why, and this is why, what we really should be having a conversation of is how to live with this. But that conversation was required a year ago. We dropped the ball. 
We allowed them to dominate this narrative. We allowed them to feed us information, to feed us information that the goal here is to eradicate, eradicate, eradicate. Well, are we any surprised now that now that we have this vaccination, that there's any talk about slow down? You're not going to be able to just resume life. You're going to have to. We're going to require everybody because just imagine as a country, you've achieved two thirds of your population, even let's say four fifths of your population. But then you have the flights of international flights open. <laughs> well, what's going to stop it from coming back? What's going to stop it from coming back? The challenges to getting the world vaccinated are many. Damaris explained to the post. She's a global forecasting director and trustee for the Economist Charitable Trust, an independent charity that is meant to leverage the journalistic expertise of the Economist of the, of the, of the Economist newspaper. So, is a woman who works for a nonprofit, right? That's her credential. That's her credential. The challenges to get everyone vaccinated are many. First, there is an issue of production. According to the Economist report, of the 12.5 billion doses that the main vaccine producers have so far pledged to make this year, more than 6 billion have already been pre-ordered. You know, uh, what is it, Thursday, I think, the FDA told Johnson & Johnson, who are producing what's called, it's considered to be 66% effective for minor cases, but up to 89% for serious cases. They said, oh, well, we'll evaluate your single-dose vaccine. We'll evaluate that in three weeks. Just wait three weeks. We're very busy. We're very busy. When countries made their orders, they did not know the vaccines would work, so they booked every vaccine they could get a hold of. Canada, for example, bought enough for more than five times its population. Israel paid more than other countries and committed to exchange data with Pfizer to ensure that it could vaccinate all of its citizens. A move that is not an option for poorer countries, especially given that the coronavirus-induced recession has already depleted fiscal resources and led to ballooning budget deficits. Coronavirus-induced recession. Lockdown-induced recession. According to WHO, coronavirus vaccines are now being administered in 50 countries around the world, but 70% of the doses have been ordered, have been deployed in only 10 countries. Then it goes into discussing the different vaccines and the different protocols and, and freezing, etc. We now face the real danger that even as vaccines bring hope to those in wealthy countries, much of the world could be left behind, said WHO Director General Tedros Adhanom, who is not a doctor. Could you believe that? The Director General of WHO is not a doctor? He does have a very strong connection to China, but he's not a doctor. Speaking at a January 27th briefing, he said some countries and companies are making bilateral deals going around COVAX, driving up prices and attempting to jump in front of the queue. COVAX is a joint program of Gavi, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, and the WHO who that is meant to accelerate the development and manufacturing for COVID-19 vaccines and to guarantee fair and equitable access to them. So these countries are, 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 are trying to find a solution for them, for themselves. But that's not going to help the world. That's not going to help the world. Palestinian Authority has purchased Russian vaccines. 10,000 were delivered to the PA on Wednesday. Their solution is it's going to take a long time. 
the world was averaging a billion tourists a year before coronavirus. The crisis has put $100 million to $120 million worth of direct tourist jobs at risk and has resulted in a loss of $1.3 trillion expected in revenues, he said. This is unimaginable, Noy told the Post. The more the process goes on, the more pessimistic the experts are. Experts. Who are the experts exactly? Do they have the expertise of Dr. Jay Bhattacharya? Or how about they have the expertise? Maybe they're the experts like like Neil Ferguson. Maybe they're the experts like Neil Ferguson. We're going to put this article aside for now. We've, we read it. We read enough. We get the point. We get the point. Who is Neil Ferguson? Can you remember? This is the argument. Again, the argument is for all those who say that you can't control the information that we have. We have to remind ourselves exactly how we are in this. How did we get into this? Because of Neil Ferguson. Who is Neil, Fer- Neil Ferguson? Neil Ferguson, Professor Neil Ferguson, he was at the Imperial College. And remember, it was his model. It was his model that projected that there were going to be 500,000 British dying, 2.2 million Americans dying. Even a million Americans would die if they did everything that would be prescribed. They'd still lose a million Americans. They'd still lose a million Americans. Even if they did everything possible. Everything possible. What's everything possible? What's everything possible? So... We're gonna, we're gonna, we're, we have some things to discuss what everything possible is. But again, let's see what, 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 what we're, let's remind ourselves, let's refresh ourselves. We don't think that one person, we don't think that one person could control, we don't think that one person could control, could decide the fate of the entire world. Not one person could do that. Absolutely not. No way. Well, let's remind ourselves. We now know the model was so highly flawed. It should never have been relied upon in the, for, for policy decisions to begin with. As we learn more about the new coronavirus, it is imperative to continue. This is coming from May last year. May. It is imperative to continue to update the assumption used, assumptions used in these models. The Imperial College model didn't meet any of these criteria. And sadly, its model was one of, one of the inputs relied on as the basis for lockdown, for locking down two countries, which obviously everyone followed. See, that's the difference. Once you have America and Britain doing everything, you don't need everybody to, to, to make their own decision. They're just following the leader. It's a certain mentality. Now, what happened to Neil Ferguson? Well, he resigned on May 5th from his government advisory role after breaking the very same lockdowns that he had imposed and, inf- and influenced. So this is a person who is living life as normal. How much did he really believe what he was projecting? Ferguson led the Imperial College team that designed the computer model that, among others, were used to justify these, these lockdowns. Epidemiology, the study of the incidence, prevalence, and impact of disease, frequently calls upon models to forecast potential outcomes of diseases. Not surprisingly, one became a pandemic. Policy experts from all across the world began relying on such models. The Imperial College researchers ran one such model that had used in prior research and forecast a number of potential outcomes, including that by October, more than 500,000 people in Britain and 2 million people in the U.S. would die. The model also predicted the United States would incur up to 1 million deaths, even with enhanced social distancing guidelines, including shielding the elderly. Imperial 
Imperial's modeling results influenced British Prime Minister Boris Johnson to impose a nationwide lockdown and influence the White House as well. According to Nature, this model was working with Microsoft to tidy up the code and making it available. This is when they, they didn't respond to the author of this article. They were tidying up the code and making it available. I also asked the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention for the codes it used to develop the COVID-19 forecast, but got no response. So my colleague, Norbert Mitchell, and I decided to take a publicly available COVID-19 epidemiological model and forecast the prevalence and mortality of disease under various, under a variety of plausible scenarios. The results vary depending on the assumptions we made about mortality rates within hospitals, hospital intensive care units, asymptomatic rates, and the specification of the RO, pronounced R not value, which measures how easily the virus spreads. Under varying assumptions regarding a mortality rate in intensive care units between 5 and 30%, we found the predictability mortality because the disease could range from, from near 78,000 deaths to as many as 810,000 deaths in, in U.S. by August 1st. So understand, and I'm not going to read this whole thing. I'm not going to read this whole thing. You can find this. We can, you know, okay, we can find this one day. Maybe we'll put up on. We'll have these things put up on our website. But just realize that the entire world was operating on this study. This study, whose author himself didn't believe it, who had to step down from his government position because he didn't believe it. So you want to question whether or not all of our information? could come from one source and everybody acting on that one piece of information, that's how this game is played. It is precisely how this game is played. So, I want to play for you a little clip because, you know, these are all, these are all connected. I'm going to play for you a little clip. Um, let's play. Excuse me. Let's play. Um, this is a this is this is a uh, a Senate testimony. This is a testimony from the Senate. Okay, um, this testimony, if I'm not mistaken, has actually been deleted from YouTube, according to an article. Of course, of course, it's it's innocent. They only did this because they want to protect everybody. Google's YouTube has ratcheted up censors hip to a new level by removing. Two videos from a U.S. Senate committee. They were from December 8th Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs hearing on early COVID treatment of COVID-19. One was a 30-minute summary. The other was an opening statement of critical care specialist Pierre Corey. Dr. Corey is part of a world-renowned group of physicians who developed a groundbreaking use of corticosteroids to treat hospitalized COVID-19 patients. His testimony at a May Senate hearing helped doctors rethink tr- treatment protocols and saving lives and saved lives. At a December at the December hearing, he presented evidence regarding the use of ivermectin, a cheap and widely available drug that treats tropical diseases caused by parasites for prevention and early treatment of COVID-19. He described a just published study from Argentina in which about 800 healthcare workers received ivermectin and 400 didn't. Not one of the 800 contracted COVID-19 and 58% of the 400 did. Dr. Corey, it's coming from the Wall Street Journal reproduced by Matsov.com. Dr. Corey asked the National Institutes of Health to review his group's manuscript outlining dozens of successful trials 
and to consider updating its August 27 guidance, in which it recommended against the use of ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19 except in a clinical trial. On December 10th, Senator Rand Paul and I sent a letter to the NIH requesting that he give Dr. Corey's evidence. Now again, this drug is not dangerous. It's a cheap and widely available drug. Why couldn't it be used? Well, we're going to hear some testimony from this same, and, and, and he broke down in tears. We're not going to play his testimony because we just, we just read enough about it, but I think he, was, he broke down in tears. He said, the NIH, the FDA, the CDC haven't devoted any personnel yet to reappropriating drugs. Why is that? Why is that? We're going to play a little clip. I think it's from the same press conference where Senator Ron Johnson is discussing, I think it's Peter McCullough. Let's hear what they have to say. Such a shame. That's what poisoned the well. That's what created what I call the prescription log. Jam here on hydroxychloroquine or early, and, and I, fe- I think it affected all early treatment options. It took them off the table. We took our eye off the ball. That's why I say our agencies failed us. These individuals in these agencies failed us. This is not just uh, a government culpability and uh, malfeasance with respect to hydroxychloroquine. This is academic malfeasance. There were two fraudulent papers, one in the New England Journal of Medicine, one in Lancet, published by individuals interested in doing evil to the world with respect to a beneficial treatment of hydroxychloroquine in an un... Okay, I want to pause it for a second. So here what he has to say. Doing evil to the world. That's a, that's a pretty serious uh, um, statement. It's a pretty serious statement. He said they're doing evil to the world. They're doing evil to the world by not by by vilifying this drug. In an unprecedented manner, these two manuscripts were withdrawn after two weeks where they could scare the public and the world's physician audience. Since that time, there have been dozens of fraudulent... Re-emphasize that. They were then withdrawn. They were withdrawn, and, and the New England Journal of Medicine and Lancet acknowledged that they were fraudulent papers. They were scare papers to scare people on hydroxychloroquine. Since that time, there's been dozens of pile-on uh, scare tactics in academics. This isn't the government. This is people in my field, in academic medicine, who are committing academic fraud. I reviewed a paper. I'm a cardiologist. I reviewed a paper that made it into the medical literature demonstrating that hydroxychloroquine causes a heart attack, that hydroxychloroquine causes a giant scar in the heart. And I can tell you, I'm at Baylor in Dallas. We have the world's most recognized cardiac pathology program in the world. Our senior examiner has held in his heart, his hand, in his hands, more human hearts than anybody in the history of mankind. I can tell you firsthand, hydroxychloroquine does not cause giant scars in the heart. So academic medicine is committing a fraud. It's committing, uh, 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 a, a, I think, a crime against humanity. There must be a motivation behind this that's much bigger than just Democrat versus Republican. Would, would you, would... I, I am extremely concerned, honestly, about the the academic contribution to... Okay. And we want to question whether or not one or two people can have a have an uh, an effect on the entire method of, method of transmission of information. The the 
the Neil Ferguson, uh, his, his, his epidemiological study has been debunked. We are still doing lockdowns. Hydroxychloroquine. They scared them, these doctors. I'm not gonna, I, I actually will not allow the doctors to get off so easy. I'll be honest with you. I don't think that it works that way. I think that each and every individual has, is responsible for the way that they act. And I don't believe they're able to just say that they're able to, that they're able to just pin it on these studies. But regardless, even if we do, we can still question whether or not people are getting the information that they're, that they're, that, that that's honest or whether or not it's, there's, there's, there's an agenda there. How much are we going to ignore? Somebody said to me today, he said, it's amazing the conspiracies. It's amazing the conspiracies people believe. So I asked them, what's called a conspiracy? Just remember, to believe in God is called a conspiracy. What's called a conspiracy? So he said, to, so he said, all the conspiracies. So I said, like what? Give me one. See, he said, of course, the classic one is what's called Dilul Uchlusia, the idea of population control. So I asked him, I said, tell me, if I could prove to you, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting into the whether or not these, these vaccines are doing that. I'm not getting into that. It's not really not the point, but I asked him just as far as an, an open debate. If, if I could prove to you that there are people in the world who believe that we should be controlling the population, well then will you believe that maybe they're going to use vaccines to do that? To achieve that goal? It's not hard to, it's not hard to, to, to show that people believe all sorts of things. Maybe we'll get into that topic tomorrow. The idea of different beliefs, why it happens. But to suggest that there are certain very powerful people in the world who think that it might be a good thing in order to control the population. Should that surprise us then if they, if they, if they act on it? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not even saying I believe in it, but I'm just saying, should it surprise us? And once you acknowledge that they believe it, so then, so then, how, where, where's the logic? Where does, where do we, where do we, where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line? The information that we are getting is so tainted. It's so, it's so, um, it's so agenda driven. The pharmaceutical companies stand to make nothing off of these cheap and ineffective drugs. That alone is a reason why they would be willing to comply with these studies. And the fact that you have doctors out there, when you ask them one question, are they dangerous? Are they dangerous? When they say no, I have yet to find a doctor who says that they are, that they are, that they are dangerous. So when they say that they're not, so, so you, again, you ask them, you ask them, are they dangerous? No. So then once you know they're lying to you about that, then why do you trust them? The, we are, we are, we are so, we are, we have so bought in to this idea. And we keep on telling ourselves, okay, it's just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. Once we, first we do 15 days. Then we just have the segger. Then it's all going to open up. No, it's not. Trust me, it's not. And then we're going to do this. No, it's not. And then we're going to do this. No, it's not. 
Now we're at the final breaking point. We're at the point where the vaccines, and they're coming out publicly. They're coming out publicly and telling us they don't think it's not, it's not going to be so easy. It's not going to be so easy. It's going to take time, years. 2024. 2024. Remember what I've said? I said from the, I said, I said that the president understood when they refused any simple treatments. He understood the only thing was going to help was a vaccine. Why? Because the vaccine was going to take years. So what did he say? No problem. You'll have a vaccine by the year end. They fact check, checked him up the wazoo. Could you fact check him? Could you fact check him? You know, I'll tell you better fact check. They fact checked him when he claimed that he saved millions of Americans' lives because 2.2 million Americans didn't die by October. He claimed he saved millions of Americans' lives and they fact checked him on that. Why did he claim that? Because you want to use this study in order to shut down the American economy, no problem. I'm going to use this study to show that we saved lives. No, 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 you're not allowed to do that. It doesn't work both ways. Only the president understands how this game is played. Only the president understands how this game is played. We don't live with a right-leaning government here. All those pundits out there who are shocked by a right-leaning government in Israel or a... Or, you don't leave a right-leaning government. Israel's right-leaning is reduced to one solitary issue. Arab-Israeli dynamic. That is it. Beyond that, they're all one party. Very few. Very few differences. You have some religious issues. You have... No problem. Israel has some unique issues when it comes to that that might differentiate right and left-leaning politics. But not when it comes to the idea of the role of government. What is the role of government? Well, how is government supposed to be there for you? Is government supposed to do, is, is, is it government's job? Is it government's job? Defining the role of government. These are right, left leaning issues. Left believes more government control, the better. The right believes less government involvement, the better. I'm going to play you a clip discussing because because this is really uh, the exact issue when it comes to the vaccine, the vaccine rollout. I'm going to play this clip and I hope that it uh, that this is this is the Wall Street Journal, and they're talking about how Israel plans to vaccinate everyone by March. Let's listen to this clip. Listen to the to the, to the propaganda here. Netanyahu announced that Israel had secured enough doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech shot to vaccinate everyone over 16 by the end of March. Although this max vaccination campaign alone is unlikely to eradicate the virus, this timeline sets Israel apart as other Western nations have fallen behind schedule. In the U.S., the vaccination of the elderly and essential workers alone is expected to take several more weeks. One reason Israel has been able to vaccinate so much of its population so quickly is that it's a relatively small country with a population similar to that of New York City. Israel has transformed stadiums and other venues into max vaccination centers. Israel also has a technologically advanced universal healthcare system in which everyone in the country is legally required to be registered. Unlike the US where there's a patchwork of public and private coverage, Israel's digitized system has helped streamline the process for those who have an appointment, including high-risk and priority patients over 60. Every member set an appointment in advance. So there are two points there. There are two points there that I 
I want to uh, elaborate on. One is that look at Israel. Israel has been able to create vaccination centers, transforming stadiums. It's an amazing thing, right? Somebody said to me recently, Ellie, do you really believe that Israel's vaccinated over 3 million people? And I said, sure. He said, really? You think that? And I said, definitely. Why wouldn't you? On the contrary. On the contrary. It's, it's, it's exactly what I want to believe. One of my great claims was that Israel didn't have any effort put into building hospitals across the country. They could have put, they're spending half a billion shekel every day, 500 million shekel every single day for the lockdown. Why couldn't they have spent 500 million shekel and built a, five hospitals? How much would it have cost to build five hospitals throughout the country? Israel had the ability. You're going to take this away from me? On the contrary, if they wanted to do something to actually help people, they could have. You see, they, they're, they're, they're vaccinating better than anybody. So that's the first argument. The second argument, the second argument is, the second point is that, the second point is that they said that Israel has a sophisticated digitized system. Notice how, what is Wall Street Journal? Wall Street Journal is supposed to be a right-leaning, right-leaning um, publication. Is it right-leaning? Is it right-leaning? Well, what is this idea? That it wants to, that it wants to, that it's promoting, that it's, listen to this propaganda. What is this idea that America doesn't have, it has a patchwork of, of different systems, of different insurance. Israel has a sophisticated digitized system. Can, can you understand, can you, do you recognize, do you recognize the, the agenda in that, in the way that they present that? Which system is better? Well, how about we look at the, which where do where do people flock to for medical care? How about that? Do you hear stories of people coming to Israel for medical care, or do you hear stories of people going to America for medical care? Which side which side produces better better medical care? Can you tell me that? I can tell you what the studies show. The studies show that Israel produce that that America produces far better medical care than anywhere else in the world. But they don't want us to think that. They don't want us to think that. They want us to think, they want us to think that Israel has better. Why? Because it has a sophisticated digitized system. As if that's how this game is played. As if that's, as if that's enough to create a, 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 a system. And, and, and they talk about America. They talk about America as if America is one country. There are states in America that are doing better than Israel when it comes to vaccinations. Yeah, there's a great article here. It is this high, it's good, it's good, it's good. Ben Gurion Airport closure prevents cancer patients life-saving treatment. In it, there are Israeli cancer patients between the ages of 3 and 70 who are currently stranded in Austria. Okay? And the similar thing about America. Okay, there are people stuck in different countries, at least they're in, you know, when it's America, they get, they're, they, you know, they're in, they're in a, they're in a good place. But there are people stuck where people come to Israel for, for treatment? Come on. Very few. Very few. Very few. The American system, the American system is, is far better. So the fact that it's not, 
digitized. The fact that it's not digitized, what does that mean? What does that mean? Does that equate to inferior care? No. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. The fact is, is that we have to recognize here, we have to realize that our information sources are compromised. That's the first thing we have to realize. We can recognize that from the fact that even... They're, they're, they're all getting their information from one source. One source. That source has been disproven. And they never recant. They never acknowledge. They just, they just further their claim. And we just buy into it. Well, now is the moment of truth. This is it. How are we going to respond? If we don't do something now, it is not going to change for three years. What will what will we do in three years? Really tell me. What will our world look like in three years if we continue this? That's why the president pushed vaccines. He pushed the different bodies to get this vaccine out. Why? Because he knew their game. They wanted five years like this. What will happen? What will happen? There are many people with nefarious intentions who have lots of power. I'm sorry to be the, the bearer of, of reality for you, but that is just the grim truth. There are people who don't, who in America, who like open borders. Why? The Wall Street Journal loves open borders. It's great for big business. They don't want, they don't want closed borders. We're going to talk about these different ideas, but they don't want, they don't want closed borders. They want open borders. Oh, but it's bad for Americans. I know, but that's just not their, that's not their, that's not their focus. They don't care about Americans. They care about their pockets. They care about their pockets. That's just how they're conditioned. We have to realize that when people have an interest and they see that they can, when the left, the far left in Israel sees that if they can seize power, they can also use these vac- these, 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 these lockdowns to attack the Haredim. We said that, they, we read that out. We read that these are Decades-long issues that are just coming to the surface again. This is just an excuse. Here in America, in America, it's it's not it's you know is it again? Where is it here? Where is it here? Rick Scott, Democrat coronavirus proposal, a bailout to liberal states. Scott, a former Florida governor, said Republicans want to pass targeted relief to help Americans suffering from the economic effects of the coronavirus. However, he added that they should not bail out liberal states such as New York, Illinois, and California. Why? What do they want to do? Senate Republicans are all in for getting targeted relief to Americans. I have to say this, this passed 51 to 50. Kamala Harris was the, this is the first vote. I was happy to see at the very least that all 50, that all 50 Republican senators agreed. These states have gotten themselves into heavy, heavy debt from all their useless corruption. They're useless. It's not, it hasn't been useless. It's been useful for them. Their corruption. Now they want the, everybody will find a way to use these lockdowns, this control to suit them. Remember, they are living a life of normal. It hasn't affected them. They haven't received, they haven't, they haven't taken a salary hit. They haven't had to, they haven't had to lose anything from this. Maybe a slight inconvenience when they're, the camera's on, they have to wear masks. Please. 
That is the game. That is the game. If we don't wake up now, if we don't wake up now, there is the, the, the point of return. You want to talk about the light of the tunnel. The point of return will not even be here. And I, I've predicted it till now, till Pesach, till March this year. We are going, April this year, April, we are going to have a choice. What is going to happen after that? The Minister of Health in Israel said, if you stay at home like good little boys and girls for Purim, then maybe you'll get a Seder with your family. That's how they talk to us. That's how they talk to us. We're not going to get a Seder with our family. The question is going to be after Pesach. That's the question. They're going to push this till Pesach. The question is going to be after Pesach. How are we going to respond? If we don't take it into our hands now, there will be... Look, I'm not going to make any drastic declarations, but just understand that we read it out. We read it out. We read it out very clearly. 2024, until every single person in the world is vaccinated. If we want to question whether or not everybody will agree, all we have to do is just look at how they've operated till now. Their sources are the same. Their interests are the same. They're doing the exact same things. I hope you had a, I hope you have a great day. We look forward to being with you again tomorrow morning, please God. This is the morning mix. I'm Ellie Shapiro. Bye for now.